With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind. A mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 6th. We've already had our first preseason game, and this is the start of the week one, really week one is week two, of the full slate of NFL preseason games. My name is Michael Nazarak. I am host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. And, of course, Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on, online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend, a very experienced fantasy player and writer, of which is very valuable to Fantasy Football Mastermind. I don't ever say that enough, but I really appreciate everything you do for this fight. Chris Rito, how, how are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I know uh, we've, we're doing our first draft uh, of the year together. Uh, I just had my first solo draft uh, finished up last week, and I'm sure you've got some other solo drafts going on. So we're all right in the thick of the drafting right now, so we're we're definitely thinking about applying a lot of the things we're talking about on this podcast. So looking forward to talking about receivers today. Yeah, definitely. We were just talking about that before. But before we get to, to that, I want to uh, make sure that everyone uh, uh, remembers that uh, there's a cool new app out there. Actually, it's not new, but it, to a lot of people it might be new, called the Sleeper app. And this is uh, a great way to play fantasy football in a, in a league with your buddies right on your phone. It's just you can download it absolutely free from the App Store. It's called the Sleeper app. It's uh, the top-rated user fantasy app right now. It is a top-15 sports app. I think it's probably going to overpass to overtake the NFL.com app for fantasy sports, and that's significant. And it also has an infant customization, and a dark night mode is coming soon and with a better designed app. Uh, check it out, Sleep Wrap. Let's move right down to the NFL training camp news and such before we get to injuries and all. And there's two major holdouts going on right now, and it's affecting everything because we talked about it earlier. If this guy just slides to us at this round, do we take him and all? And the first one is right off the bat is Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. Uh, he's one of the big three that wants to get paid. Dak Prescott's in camp, and so is Amari Cooper. Uh, those guys still have contracts and all, but uh, they, they want to get paid. And, of course, Zeke is still two years out from getting paid on his rookie contract, and he has said he's not going to report at all, and this just came out today. He's not going to report without a new deal at all. So the question here is, is he going to report at some point? Is his deal going to get done? Fantasy impact in, in the meantime, 
What do you think, Chris? I know we talked about it last week, but we're one week closer, and he's no, no, nowhere near close to showing up and uh, you know for camp and getting a good a, a, a good deal. So what 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 do you think? Uh, you draft him early. What, what's your thoughts on Zeke right now? Well, I I do think both sides are right here. I think Elliott is not going to show up until he gets a new deal, but I also am still convinced he's going to get one before week one. I think Jerry and, and is going to make that happen. So I don't think it's going to affect the regular season, but it obviously is affecting the drafts right now. I mean, Elliott was a top four, consensus top four pick in nearly every scoring system, and we've seen now in several drafts you and I have been in, he's now slipped out of the top four into the middle uh, part of the, and sometimes the later part of the first round, and I think that's going to continue to happen as long as he holds out. So if I'm correct and he does sign and he's there for week one, then somebody picking late in round one is going to get a hell of a bargain. Otherwise, it's going to be somebody that's going to miss possibly the first part or maybe even all the season if he pulls a levy on Bell. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Melvin Gordon one that we're about to talk about is going to be different, but I really think Zeke is going to be there come week one. But he's going to, he's going to sit until he gets that deal. I think you're right. Yeah, and uh, the question then is, uh, you know, I, uh, he's uh, he's obviously working out hard in Cabo and all, but uh, don't you think things like hamstring injuries might crop up if he shows up like a week before the season and they get a deal done? He's not going to have much of a training camp at all. Won't he be resting and more at risk, uh, risk of injury? Yeah, you've always got that. But uh, I, I think considering the nature of the way he runs and how much he runs, he's probably at greater risk from just getting worn down unnecessarily in training camp. So if anything, this might be a little bit of a – boost to him physically as opposed to a, uh, a detriment. Uh, he, again, he's going to still have the potential for soft tissue injuries. That's usually more of an issue for a speed guy or a guy or a wide receiver than it is for a, a running back, especially a more powerful running back like him. Yep. Okay, well, let's move on over to, to the Los Angeles Chargers and Melvin Gordon, and it's, it's getting pretty ugly. Uh, about a week or so ago, we heard uh, numbers thrown about that maybe the Chargers were going to offer him around $11 million and he wanted 13 to 14 and they might settle on 12-plus uh, some incentives or so. But that's kind of gone out the window when there was news came out that their top offer to him was only $10 million a year, and that's not going to get it done. Uh, you know, he, he can sit out now until week 10, and as long as he shows up by week 10, plays out the rest of the season, then he's a free agent at the end of the year. And, of course, they can almost tag him and all, but, you know, then he's going to, you know, get that top dollar for next season. So what do you think, Chris? Uh, we're one week closer. Things are not looking any good. Uh, the Chargers kind of dug in their stance. Uh, do, you, do you consider Melvin Gordon any more in the first or even second round of your fantasy draft? No, I, I don't think you can just because they are so far apart. And, and I think both sides here realize – that neither side really has the upper hand here. The Cowboys, they need each other, and I think the Chargers are kind of weird that both sides need each other, but both sides have proven that, they're, that they don't need each other. The Chargers have a better record without him than with him. They average more points without him than with him, and Gordon's done some things that no other running backs have done statistically. So it, it's like really both sides are going to stand their ground, I think, in this one, and uh, they're not going to be able to franchise him next year because that's going to be more co less cost-effective than just giving him the extension now. So it's a really weird situation that could get very ugly. Now, when you start thinking about the upside of Gordon, though, assuming he does report eventually, once you start getting into that third and maybe especially the fourth round, now you've got to say maybe he's a risk worth taking with that high of a reward. Um, so, it's, and, you know, we're, a lot of drafts uh, are probably in that same ballpark where he's going to slide to the, to the third, fourth, or maybe even later rounds. And then, you know, everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a value. Where's the, the, the tipping point where his value is worth the risk? And that's up to the individual how much risk they can stomach. 
Well, that's a good point you said because, you know, you and I are drafting together as one team in the FanX draft. This is the original Fantasy Experts draft. has been around for like almost 25 years now. And uh, we draft out of the four hole. We're doing our uh, draft pick analysis live for premium, premium draft guide subscribers. So if you want to see exactly what we're thinking in terms of the picks and such, for us, we're uh, through the third pick now, and we passed on Gordon twice already. But if you want to know the exact reasons why and such for our team makeup and all, uh, consider buying our draft guide on the site's only 18.95 at ffmastermind.com. But uh, you know the question is, we got to consider him in the fourth round. It's going to be a late fourth round pick or early round fifth round pick. How much is he going to slide? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how long he is sliding. And as long as the longer we go into the preseason and nothing changes, he's going to keep sliding. And it's going to be interesting because when he, if he does show up or or if he gets a deal done uh, right before the season starts, someone can end up getting him a steal with this guy. So it's it's going to be one uh, thing definitely to watch moving forward. Uh, very interesting uh, a player waiver uh, that happened over the weekend, and it's interesting because uh, in another fantasy draft that I play uh, participated in, uh, the FF Webmasters draft, 14-team non-PPR, uh, my third running back I drafted early was Lamar Miller, and so I was targeting Donta Foreman later, and he got uh, snaked from me a couple of picks before I wanted to get him, and I kept lamenting that fact and such, and I was like, darn, I should have done. Well, it comes, comes, it comes to pass that Donta Foreman is no longer a Texan. He was cut, and basically it says a football decision because he didn't like his workout habits and, and his uh, practice habits. So uh, now what's interesting there is that you're an Indy there, and lo and behold, the Colts placed a waiver claim on Donta Foreman and picked him up. And they cut their other uh, uh, running back. What was his name, Ford, or something like that? So what have you heard about Dante Foreman and the Colts there and their interest in him? And uh, anything interesting? I think it's, it's very fascinating because instantly he becomes the biggest and fastest back on the roster. That, that's, I mean, that's just statistical. That's just fact right there, the biggest and the fastest back. And the interesting thing about him getting released for his work ethic is, first of all, that's not going to fly with Frank Reich's team here in Indy. But the second thing is that says that, that they're claiming that he was fully recovered from that Achilles. And the list of players that have come back from an Achilles injury to be viable football players is, is pretty dang short. So if he's actually healthy with his skill and his size and his speed, that's quite a bonus to be picked up by the Colts here as a backup. It also is very important because it means that that injury to Spencer Ware, which we have now seen in the couple days since then, was far more serious, is going to mean that Foreman could actually slide in as the, as the likely handcuff behind Marlon Mack, assuming that everything he is healthy and he makes the team and everything. I think he will. And that's a very interesting handcuff, and it really kind of changes the whole dynamic of that running back room because before you saw Naheem Hines as the, the receiving back and Jordan Wilkins as a potential short yardage back or goal line back in the absence of Spencer Ware. Now I think those roles are all up for grabs with Dante Foreman being able to do all of that. And should something happen to Mack, who's been injury-prone, now Foreman, I think, slides in as the as the early down back, which could have been split up between Wilkins and Himes before. So it's it's a very weird thing going on here. And assuming he's healthy and he's good, that's a great pickup for the Colts, who gives them a very solid backup to a guy that's been a little bit injury prone in his young career. 
Well, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, and if he's got bad practice habits, then he's going to be gone quicker than, you know, I can say lickety-split there from, from Indianapolis because Frank Wright's not going to put up with that. I think that they picked him up hoping that the assumptions are correct, the fact that he's healthy and all. Maybe they can just light a fire under him. Maybe he needed a change of scenery. But, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I want to see what happens there this next week. And, uh, obviously, I think it's probably too late for him to, to, to get into the game, the first preseason game. But if he makes it through a whole week of practice and presses the coaches and is indeed healthy, maybe they'll give him a chance in the in the, the number two game and then we'll get more of a feel of whether he's going to actually make that roster or not so you know there's been so much of the word potential around Dante Farm now for two years now and he and basically because of that uh, Achilles injury it's just wiped out his his his, his career uh, in a way and now it's almost like he's cuttable because of uh, the other situations and the injury the situation you know the way he uh, his his attitude and all so they got to get that straight by the way you Texans out there you know some some people were were clamoring for a Melvin Gordon trade that's not going to happen we checked where our sources in Houston and, and the media also and uh, the, um, John McClain over there in the Houston Chronicle says that, nope, they're just wanting to uh, find a new primary backup to Lamar Miller. They have no interest in, in paying Melvin Gordon what he wants because they're paying Lamar Miller about $5.5 million right now, and Melvin Gordon is scheduled to make $5.6 million about 100,000 more than Lamar Miller and Gordon doesn't want to play for that. He wants more than double that. So, uh Houston is not as a no-go for that situation. Before I get uh, to I the would, injury list so real quick. Sure about that. I now they they talked about did they cut Foreman to make this trade possible? I don't buy that at all. I think they cut Foreman for the reasons they said. But I wouldn't necessarily rule them out. They've got a lot of salary cap room and and a lot of potential on that team and getting an explosive running back like Gordon as compared to a very solid dependable but but pedestrian back like Miller could be the thing that puts him over the hump. So I, I don't think it's out of the question, but I certainly don't think that was the motivation behind the action that's happened so far this week. Well, we'll, we'll see. Team sources, uh, you know, reported to uh, Don McClain there at Houston Chronicle that, that that's not going to happen. But obviously, you know, anything could happen. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, uh, with the Texans over the next coming weeks. Um, one more note about a, a, a player move that actually didn't happen. Uh, last night uh, it was reported that the Cardinals signed veteran uh, free agent wide receiver Michael Crabtree. He's got some connections to the coaches there. Uh, but Adam Schefter rebuked that, and it came out that, uh, that they just couldn't come to an agreement on a, on a, uh, on a mount for uh, Michael to play for the Cardinals. It would have been very interesting because they've got, of course, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, all-world there, but winding down in his career, and they got Christian Kirk and Keyshawn Johnson, the rookie, and, and another rookie there. So they could have used Michael Crabtree, but uh, apparently it's not going to work out right now. They might revisit it. Who knows? But uh, for the moment, Michael Crabtree is a free agent. He's not an Arizona Cardinal. Okay, back to the injuries here. Uh, the only one to talk about is Andrew Luck, the calf. He won't practice or play this week. Uh, the team's not apparently worried. Frank Wright's not worried. Is there anything new to add to that, uh, Chris? No, that that's what the, the mantra has been around here. They're just saying, oh, we're not worried about it, not worried about it. The fans are, the media is, uh, but the players and the team and the coaches apparently aren't. So we'll see in a few weeks. If he's not ready by week three of the preseason, I think we're going to DEFCON red. <laughs> yep. Okay. And running back, uh, running back Damian Williams with the Chiefs, a hamstring injury. He basically missed almost all the training camp so far because that's kind of a frustrating injury. And head coach Andy Reid said it's frustrating. However, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, running back coach there, uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh says, I'm not worried about it. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's coming to all the, uh, the, the classes, learning you know, the nuances of the system that they're, you know, they're tweaking and such. So he said it's, it's definitely still Damian Williams is the lead back, so they're still not worried about that. Derek Henry with the calf. And 
in, in Tennessee, he couldn't miss another week. There's still no timetable on his return. Obviously, they're taking a very cautious approach, just like the uh, Colts are with Luck. Uh, in Atlanta, Julio Jones with a foot. He could practice soon, uh, you know, any day now here. There, he's still wanting that uh, a big-time extension in the fact that Michael Thomas got his last week. Uh, should uh, uh, ramp that up, and Julio's probably going to get his here very shortly. Antonio Brown, a very interesting situation going on there with his uh, blistering feet. He's missing practice due to it, and he's he's uh, deemed day to day. He's actually been absent the last couple of days. He went to a foot specialist, uh, which just said, well, maybe it's more than blisters and all. And then there was a weird story that came out that he he actually might have had uh, frostbitten his feet by not wearing proper protection by going in a cryo energy. <laughs> frozen container there and they kind of i don't know they, it's it's dr chow on uh who's a fantasy doctor on on twitter very knowledgeable he says he doesn't believe that he just thinks that uh you know whatever it is it's 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 uh and, and actually antonio brown has, has got some pictures of his dead skin on his bottom of his feet on the instagram you should check it out people if, you go yeah, to if i never brown see that instagram. again it'll be too soon yeah. So, uh, but they they don't have any uh, worries. They say that you know it, it it'll take a little bit of time, you know. But you know we're we're still a month out from playing, so you know uh, it'll be get plenty of time there. But we'll keep an eye on it from there. Speaking of feet, and it's a bruised heel for Amari Cooper in Dallas. He did not practice on Tuesday, but you know it's only a bruised heel, so you know he might miss another uh, practice or two. But it's not really that serious. Nothing has changed with Julian Edelman still out one more week, a mild trauma uh, on his uh, broken thumb there, fractured thumb or whatnot. But he's still in the NFI list. They expect him to come back before the season starts. Sterling Shepard with the thumb, he's practicing for the, with the Giants with a, uh, I think, a red or yellow jersey uh, on, I think a red jersey. Uh, and um, but he is practicing and he's trying, he's catching, making catches with one hand, the the the, the one with the good thumb. <laughs> and he still believes he'll be ready for the start of the season. Emmanuel Sanders with Achilles, he's practicing with team now. Pretty much every day there, so it looks very good for him to play come week one. John Ross with a hamstring in Cincinnati. could miss another week with that hamstring issue. Keep an eye on him. A.J. Brown, undisclosed injury, missing several practices. He's way down the depth chart there, so he might become undraftable unless you're in a dynasty league. We'll see, unless he gets on the field soon. Uh, a new injury, Quincy, and none with groin from the Jets. He injured his groin during practice today, and he was set to have tests, so hopefully it won't be too um, – too bad. Uh, rookie Andy Isabella for the Cardinals uh, with the knee. He returned to practice on Tuesday. That's good news there. Uh, over in Chicago, t- t- tight end Trey Burton, the sports hernia. He's sitting out practice. Uh, they're going to slowly ease him back into practice. They're not concerned for week one there. And defensive end J.J. Watt for Houston with a groin sitting this week and won't play, but it's a minor issue. They're not concerned about it at all. Let's, uh, and we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's expert league Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. 
Okay, uh, obviously we want everyone to come to our website, ffmastermind.com. Lots of free good stuff on there, including free NFL quick bits, including all the injury bits and such until the start of the season. We're updating our free agent tracker and player move tracker and such. Free INSI scouting reports. There's going to be two from each scout in August, uh, uh, including a couple from Chris Rito here on the Colts. Our Masters List customizable cheat sheet, our Mastermind Championships projection board, and our EDM, Executive Draft Master, have all been updated multiple times. Version 3 of our draft guide has been released uh, last Friday, 400 pages. It's going to have a big jump this week with the uh, one, one conference uh, training camp capsules. I'm going to release the Fantasy Football official draft plan, uh, as well as two or three other articles, including our offensive line analysis feature. So it's probably going to go to, over, to close to, if not over, 500 pages. The price is 1895 uh, And, of course, our premium summer rates are the Pro Bowl package, which is everything except the uh, drafting software, is 47.95, And our Super Bowl package is 57.95. And follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. Okay, the top 10 fantasy wide receivers PPR. And I've got to change it to number 10 for me coming from this week, but we'll get to that shortly. Chris, how about your top three wide receivers PPR for 2019? I think most people's top threes are probably the same. I, I think yours, mine are at least, but I'm going to start with DeAndre Hopkins. He's just simply the safest and most predictable receiver atop the board. It's hard to argue with his production, too. He's got an NFL record for catches through six seasons. He's averaging 10 targets a game for six years with nine different quarterbacks. And that's just even more astounding. He had zero drops and 170 targets last year. He's got a higher floor than most people's ceilings. And he's become a TD machine with 11 or more in three of his last four years. Clear number one to me. Uh, I like Devontae Adams, number two. He's got a higher touchdown upside than Hopkins, so you could argue him as the number one guy in non-PPR but he's solidly here otherwise. He actually had the highest PPR per game average last year and was in the top seven in every category. Also, one of the most consistent top receivers week to week, every game over 16 PPR points last year and only one without either 100 yards or a score. That's pretty impressive. And my number three is the newly signed Michael Thomas. As predicted here last week, he signed before this podcast as the highest paid guy in the game. Um, I don't see him becoming complacent or becoming less of a role uh, for Drew Brees. He falls behind the others a little bit more because of his variability week to week, but he has more explosive weeks, so it makes him even nicer for best ball leagues. Three-year career, he's averaging 107 catches and 1,250 yards. That's not shabby. A little uptick in touchdowns could challenge him for that top spot. Okay, uh, I'm going to go over my top five here. A couple of them are the exact same uh, as yours. Uh, number one, DeAndre Hopkins, for the obvious reasons there, the fact that his yardage will outdo, outpace uh, Devontae Adams there, even though Adams may uh, get him by a touchdown or two there. About as same as catches, too. Uh, Devontae Adams, number two in my book, uh, no, not quite 1,400 yards this year. I've got him at 12 touchdowns. I've got Julio Jones at number three, uh, over 100 catches. Uh, he's also a yardage uh, hog there, almost 1,600 yards. And uh, last year, I think he, um, I don't know what, uh, seven, eight touchdowns or so. I think I've got him eight for this year. I don't know, maybe a little more. That was the issue in past years with Julio. He'd score only four, five, six times. Well, he's uh, up that, so that's why I've got number three. And right behind him is Michael Thomas with the Saints. More touchdowns than Julio, but uh, less yardage there. More catches. In fact, I've got uh, Michael Thomas at 113 catches, which is a high for the year. And number five, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, in Pittsburgh. I think he uh, ascends to the throne there, uh, replacing Antonio Brown. I know that they've got kind of a shortage of other guys behind them, but they do have James Washington, and Dante Moncrief's going to help out too, and of course Vance McDonald. But I think uh, Juju's going to be good for over 100 catches, about 1,430 yards, nine scores this year, and that puts in number five in my book. 
book. Um, so you shouldn't be afraid to grab him uh, late, uh, probably early second round in a 12-man league there uh, as your uh, one or two, wide, uh, one wide receiver or two um, wide receivers. You go wide receiver, wide receiver, first and second round there, but you can't go wrong with them. How about uh, your number four and number five, Chris? Yeah, they're the same two guys you mentioned, your top five. I've got Juju number four. Um, I'm totally not worried about the loss of A.B. because Juju lit it up for A.B.-like numbers when A.B. was out of the lineup. So he even had more yards and targets last year when they were both in there. He does have a big potential in, for a spike in touchdowns because Brown was such a touchdown hog there. So of all the top guys, he's the one that might actually stand to have more opportunity than he did last year. So that's why I've got him at four ahead of Julio Jones number five. You know, obviously the target and reception machine, top PPR option. I went back and looked at his stats. He's averaging 1,600 yards and 105 receptions for the last five years. That's just ludicrous. I can't see the Falcons' D improving or their scheme changing, so I think he's pretty solidly atop the leaderboard for PPR again this year. Those catches and yardage make him number one candidate if he could only score double-digit touchdowns every single year. (laughs) It's crazy. He's only done it once. I think he's averaged only like five touchdowns a year. He's only scored double digits once, and that's just astounding yeah, for a man I, with his his targets and his size and leaping ability. It's just really surprising he's not been a red zone target more often. I remember in week one last year in the kickoff game when the when the Falcons got around the goal line late in that game against the Eagles and they could not score. There was no, they just couldn't. I don't know. The uh, Matt Ryan and, and Julio just can't seem to work the fade correctly in the in the red zone. I would think that that's a, what you'd be working on over and over and over again because you've got such a talented receiver there, but they they can't seem to work some kind of red zone connection with them and it, it's it's killing them, you know. But anyway, uh, my next three on my list are not really not that surprising. Uh, Tyreek Hill comes in at number six. I mean, he was at, like number 35 for me when it would look like he was going to be suspended at least four games, if not six or half a season. But now he's got the all go all, you know, to play the entire season. Of course, barring the release of some other kind of video or whatever. But you know, it's been a couple of weeks now since uh, you know he got the all clear. So it looks like. He's going to be okay. Uh, you know, uh, not, I got 90, 90 catches, 13, 40, 11 scores. You know, he could do, return a couple of kicks for scores. Uh, you know, solid number six in my book. Uh, OBJ, uh, God, you know, I can't believe he's a Cleveland Brown. I mean, as a Giant fan, I think it was a ter- terrible trade for my team, but it is what it is. Uh, the only reason he's this low is because he's going over to Cleveland where he's going to learn a new system and a new quarterback. I know they're saying, well, he's better than Eli, but it's it's there's going to be a little bit of rust here and there. They're going to work out the kinks. They'll get it done. He's still going to be good probably for close to 100 catches, 1,300-plus yards, 10 scores. That puts him number seven in my book. And number eight for me is Mike Evans down in Tampa with Jameis Winston. Uh, always loving to get the ball to Mike. And uh, he had kind of an off year last year, still finished in the top uh, top ten in, in, uh, in, uh, in PPR there. So, uh, you know, I still got him 90 catches, about 1,470 and eight scores this year. So he's more yardage, less scores. Uh, but, you know, you can't go wrong with him uh, early in your draft. Uh, if he slides to the end of the second round, start of the third, then snatch him up and, and smile. So, anyway, what's, what about your uh, next five to round out your top ten, Chris? Hey, I've got OBJ at number six. I mean, there's obviously that curiosity of how many targets he's going to get in Cleveland. He's just simply too big of a talent for me to rank him any lower. I think his big plays might go up with Mayfield a little bit, but his volume could drop to compensate for it. I mean, obviously he's got other weapons on offense. His TD prowess is, is top, so and his scoring opportunities should rise with a better offense. So that's why I've got Beckham holding his spot at six. And just like OBJ, I've got Antonio Brown, number seven. I just can't rake him any lower because of his talent. Even with the new scheme and new teammates, 
he's just he's just too good. He averages too many things in Pittsburgh, and I'm less concerned about the foot issue or the chemistry. I'm more concerned about the mileage and the age and the tendency of Gruden to run in the red zone as compared to throw it. And then I've got Tyreek Hill, number eight. Um, you know, you can use whatever negative word you want, offensive, disgusting, whatever you want about his actions or his lack of the penalty, but the reality of it is in this offense and that quarterback, he's a fantasy stud, and you've got to be rated as such. He's rated here behind these other guys based on risk, not on productivity or personality, because a new episode or new evidence on his past episodes could take your number one wide receiver off the field. So that, that's the only reason he's eighth. Number nine, I got Mike Evans. Like you said, he's, yeah, I'm bullish on the Tampa passing game this year, too, and I like Evans as the top dog there, so I won't spend much time talking about him. My number 10 was a close call. I got about six or seven guys really close. I went with Amari Cooper. Um, I, went the change in the, I think the change in the Cowboys' passing attack was monumental once he arrived last year, and they should probably look to continue to mold that asset this year. He was inconsistent week to week, just like he was as a Raider, but he was jumping in midstream last year. So I think with an, with an offseason of targets, opportunities, he's going to be a low-end number one with higher upside than the other guys in that tier that I put in just ahead of. Okay, my number nine is Antonio Brown. Uh, you've said it all there. He is getting a little bit older. New team there, a little bit of concern, you know, and in the feet, you know, until we see him get on the field, there's a little concern there, but it should be okay. And uh, my former number 10 before this week was Adam Thielen of Minnesota. I'm kind of rethinking this because he kind of faded at the end of last year. He's still going to get a lot of catches, a lot of yards and such, but uh, I think his scoring might go down. Uh, I'm jumping Keenan Allen up into this position here over him, uh, Thielen and Amari Cooper was my number 11 from 12 up to 10. I'm going to add a couple more catches here. Uh, probably he's, he's going to be up over 100, probably close to 1,300 yards or so, and eight or nine scores for Keenan Allen. I, I think also the fact that if, if Gordon doesn't play, I know that they're going to be throwing the ball more and they're going to be probably targeting Keenan, and that will help him uh, produce a little bit more there. So uh, anyway, you look at it, that's a, that's a really good top ten for both of our, our cases there. So let's get to a few late sleepers, overrated guys, deep sleepers, underrated, whatnot. So uh, go ahead and let's start with your underrated guys, uh, Chris, at wide receiver. Uh, one guy I want to mention is Brandon Cooks. He's had four straight 1,000-yard seasons playing for three different teams. And he consistently puts up solid numbers with huge upside without the volume that his performance merits. Maybe settling in with L.A. will give him the chance he needs to be elite, but he makes a great number two with wide receiver upside any week now. He's hitting his prime at age 26, never misses a game. I think Brandon Cooks is a really solid pick to help your team. And then I like Tyler Lockett this year. He should be primed for a huge year as a top target for a guy that likes to throw a lot of deep balls and a lot of touchdowns. Um, he put up 10 touchdowns and near 1,000 yards without Baldwin around part of last year, and he showed a significant volume rise in the games Baldwin missed. I think he's poised to take that next step as a solid number two, but you can probably get him as a number three in most drafts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to hit a couple sleepers here that you can uh, probably get uh, later in your draft. Michael Gallup in, in Dallas. Uh, you know, uh, Mari Cooper gets all the press and such, but uh, Gallup started coming on late last year, especially in the playoffs, catching uh, some passes. And they're also going to be running him out uh, on, on more uh, pad patterns other than just the deep route there. And uh, he's connecting well already with Dak uh, better in, uh, overall in, in training camp right now. And you can get him as a five or six really easy, uh, you know, with a lot of upside there potential. And in the, in the thinking of that, Dante Moncrief in the Pittsburgh, I already mentioned him earlier today, I think he's going to win that number two job over James Washington. 
position for the Steelers. They need a veteran presence opposite Juju Smith-Schuster. Big Ben's not going to stop throwing the ball. He's going to throw it a lot. As long as Moncrief stays healthy, he's going to outpace his current ADP, which is way down in the hundreds there. And uh, you can get him as a number five or number six. How about a couple of overrated guys, uh, Chris? One guy I want to mention is Corey Davis. I mean, he's been – the ADP says he's being drafted as a kind of a low-end number two, maybe a high three. He's had two subpar years, a bad quarterback situation, a very run-heavy offense. I don't see what the love is for him. I mean, Delaney Walker is going to be back this year, presumably, resuming the lead role receiving, and they added slot man Adam Humphreys to take into those targets that Davis saw last year. I don't see any reason to merit his selection. He's got very little upside and a ton of, ton of downside. And the guy that I think is overrated, although I really like, is T.Y. Hilton here in Indy. Um, I just think he's overblown as a fantasy receiver. He thrives as a sole option, but he had a few real dud games because he could be taken out of the equation easily with double coverage, and luck just looks somewhere else. With so many miles to feed in this offense, Hilton could easily have a big volume decrease, be more effective as an NFL receiver, but not be a better fantasy guy. He's not a number one, but he's being drafted as one right now. Okay, uh, let's go over a couple of uh, overrated guys that I, uh, that I don't care for, or not necessarily that I don't care for them. And I've drafted uh, one of them, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. I just think that where they're being drafted right now, it's a little bit overrated. Um, you know, he's, uh, Emmanuel Sanders barely seven months removed from the torn Achilles tendon. On average, it does take a full 11 months for a football player to return from this type of injury, and that it means technically he won't be 100% until early November. That says Sanders says the following about his chances of return in early September. He said he feels realistic, but he's unwilling to, to set a concrete timetable for his comeback from that injury. Um, you know, he's already begun running. He's practicing with the team and such. You know, it just depends on how, what type of shape it is. His early ADP of the 10th round, I think, is just too too high right now for me. Uh, people are taking him as, as a, even as a, a number three wide receiver. I'd, I'd wait a little bit more. In fact, I had this choice between him and Courtland Sutton and went with Sutton. Uh, I think Flacco is a, a true quarterback, uh, you know, and, and not a scrambler, so he's going to be throwing the ball a lot. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's a better chance that Courtland Sutton becomes a number one there rather than Emmanuel Sanders with Flacco on the team. And another guy, Devin Funches, over in your end of the country in Indianapolis, uh, you know, big red zone target and such. People think that, oh, he's going to catch a lot of uh, touchdowns there in the red zone. I think they're going to run more with Marlon Mack. And also, uh, where's the connection between Luck and uh, Funches when Luck is not practicing and Funches is new with the team? And apparently he's been struggling with Jacoby Brissett. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think you can do a little bit better than, uh, than Funches in terms of a, a late-round sleeper. How about a couple of deep sleepers for you from you, Chris? Hey, a couple of guys that are being drafted as wide receiver four or five, which I think have a serious upside. First is D.D. Westbrook. I mean, he's been mired with bad quarterback play and a run-first offense, and he's still shown flashes of brilliance his first two years. I think a better scheme and a better quarterback could help him take that third-year next step and be, at worst, a respectable number three. Again, he's been coming up the board later. And the guy I really like with upside is Marquez Valdez-Scantling in Green Bay. Um, he's got upside as a fantasy number two that's being drafted as a four or five. The number two guy in the Packers offense has serious weekly and overall upside, and MVS has the inside track to be that guy. He's developed rapport with A.A. Rod early in his career, separated himself from the other rookie wide receivers on the pack last year. Serious upside is what you want in a bench player, and this guy has it. Okay. Uh, well, uh, before we say goodnight, I want to remind everyone to go to your app store and download the Sleeper app. Check it out. You can play fantasy football with your buddies uh, in, in league format season long uh, on the Sleeper app. 
Um, and the other thing is that, of course, we want to support throw our support here because I play in this event every year. It's the 11th year they've been playing the Fantasy Football Players Championship. If you want to play in high-stakes fantasy football or uh, mid-stakes or even uh, cheap stakes, the bottom line is that they will pay you on time. They've never missed a payment in terms of uh, when you win your league. I got paid before Christmas, for, for Christ's sake, for, for winning a league uh, uh, several times. Anyway, uh, it's myffpc.com. The main event is drafted here in Las Vegas. You can draft either online or go to the live draft, which I'm going to be doing at Planet Hollywood. Uh, it takes place Friday and Saturday after the opening kickoff game on, on Thursday night. It's uh, really excited, a lot of excitement there. The satellites range in price from 35 77 150 250 500 1000 all the way up to the main event price of 1850 that is a lot of chunk of a change for a team but if you buy one team you can get the second team for as cheap as 1500 and uh you know uh, myself and my uh, my partner Gil Bravar uh who also writes for the site uh we share in a couple of teams we're going in actually three teams this year we're going all in on this and uh you know we're looking forward to have it. it's going to be uh, great as always the kickoff party is like a group of 500 guys in front of two big screens and uh, about for, you know the football games and all it's really exciting it's something to behold if you can get out here to vegas do play in the ffpc you won't regret it all right thanks for joining us for chris Rio. this is mike nazarek we'll see you all next week when the tight end position from a fantasy perspective is previewed good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week you've been listening to the fantasy football mastermind edge with your host michael nazarek the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.